0: The body and blood of Jesus, give us hope. Give us hope as their expression of the love of Christ. Well, this time, uh, the kids can be dismissed to Children's Church. Uh, the rest of us can be opening up our Bibles. If you're going to open your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy is where we're going to actually probably start with you this morning. So open them up. I love watching the kids go to Children's Church. They're excited. They're the only ones that run out of church. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure I'd be excited. This morning, we, last week, we spent time in the book of Matthew chapter 10, and we saw two words put together that we don't typically see put together well, fear and love. And both of them have to do with the context of our relationship with God. Well, I'm going to introduce this morning's message by thinking about the idea of, of just fear, fear. Um, When we were kids, my brothers and I and my cousins, we would always spend New Year's Eve at my grandmother's house. And um, I think it gave all the parents a break, but we loved it. And so it was out at the farm, and so we would spend time out playing in the pasture, playing out in the barns and all that. And the little older we got, we got to become more adventurous and do what we want to as uh, uh, the nights went on and Grandma and Grandpa went to bed, so we would stay up much later. And um, I remember one New Year's Eve uh, that we went uh, up in the barn at night. And this is old dairy barn, I mean, old, old dairy barn. And up in the hay loft at night, it has tons of hay stacked, and there's all these corridors. And, and actually, there's some rats back there we'd see during the day and stuff. And so we were up there, and it's like super dark out. We got telling, like, ghost stories to each other. And as we were telling ghost stories, we literally freaked each other out. I mean, we were just, like, terrified. And so we're like, but nobody's really showing it because you're cousins and stuff. And, um, and we saw at the end of the barn, where we'd take the ladder down by the silo, uh, that we saw this shape. And um, as we were telling stories, we became convinced that it was a head on the hay bale. I mean, we were like, where did that come from? Who put it there? So all of these questions, and we are terrified. And there's this little chute where you could put hay bales down and drop it into the barn, and we thought about, okay... We don't know what's down there, but we could go through this hole. But then we looked down, and it was a little too far, so it wasn't safe. And so, you know, we're doing the whole Wizard of Oz thing, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, no. And uh, the lions, tigers, yeah. Anyway, we're scared. And so, anyway, so we're freaking out. We're scared of this, and, uh, and the adrenaline's pumping, and we realize the only way to get out of the barn is to run by the head. So we made a dash for it, and we went down, and we go down the stairs, and we get to the house, and and, um, hearts are beating fast, and and I think we had popcorn, so the whole event was over. Well, the next morning, we decided, let's go check that out. So we climb up, and it's daylight now, so it's not near as scary. We get up top, and on top of the hay bale, it was not a head. It was the basketball that we'd been playing with earlier. (laughs) And you talk about a bunch of boys that felt really Foolish. But but I use that to talk, think about what does fear do to us, that fear captures us, and then fear can capture us, and there is a level of fear that can freeze us, and it's a kind of fear that can create a terror in us, and a, a fear that can cause us to be afraid. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the fear of God, and we're going to talk about the fear of God in the context of the love of God. And as we think about these words, we want to help us to understand that this fear of God is something that God calls believers to have. And what does that fear look like if it's not the fear that my brothers and cousins and I experience in the hayloft? What kind of fear is it? And and then the question, then, how does fear relate to love? Uh, Because we see those put together often in Scripture, because we know we're supposed to love God. I mean, in our, we think about these words that in, used to be a phrase that we would hear often is, that person, they, they are a God-fearing person. Now, that's not a phrase that we hear much of anymore. I don't hear much of somebody being a God-fearing person. Actually, in our culture, we'd probably hear it or be used that somebody is a God-loving person. And, and, and really, that idea of a God-fearing person tells us something about their character, There are a couple biblical examples where we hear that idea of somebody fearing God. In the Old Testament, Joseph, who had his 11 brothers who sold him into slavery, and, and he says this at one point when his brothers are coming back to him. He says, On the third day, Joseph said to them, Do this, and you will live, for I fear God. And in that context, I fear God, he's not saying that he's terrified of God, but he's saying something about his character you do what I say and you will live because I'm a, I'm a God-fearing man. And the idea is that, that the fear of God is shaping his life, that he is a man who is a truth-teller. We would see it also later in the book of Exodus when Moses is getting advice from his father-in-law Jethro about how to manage this multitude of people without wearing himself out. And it says this in Exodus eighteen twelve or 21. He says, moreover... Look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands and hundreds and of fifties and of tens. And he says to Moses, when you select people, select men who fear God. And the idea isn't, again, that they're afraid of God but that their conduct and their character is shaped by relationship with God that makes them trustworthy and honest people. So this fear of God that we realize, even in our own culture when we think of it, that it's a, it's a word that shapes our, our character, uh, but it also is a word that it is still uses the word fear. Oftentimes as we try to define the word fear, what does it mean to define? To fear God, we end up saying that, well, it means other things and not the words it actually means. Because as we think about putting these words together, the idea of, of, of fearing God is, is a concept that can be hard for us to grasp. And so this morning, my big point this morning that I want to make is this that our love for God should be shaped by a fear of God, but also that our fear of God should be shaped by a love of God, so that we have a love-shaped fear and a fear-shaped love. Those go together. And the goal this morning is for us to understand how the fear of God and the love of God relate to one another, and so that we live in joyful obedience to the God whom we both love and fear. So the first point we see this morning is this. And I don't think I have this point in your outline. But the first one is that the fear of God is scary. The fear of God can be a very scary thing. And this morning, there are a bunch of verses we're going to look at. So I've put most of them into the presentation. I just encourage you to write down the reference and hold on to this. Because I think these notes can be really helpful. Because this idea of fearing God comes up often if you're talking to other people about Christ what's about the fear of God? How does that relate to the love of God? And so here, listen to this verse. It's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 33. It says this, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Their capture is that scary kind of fear. The sinners are afraid. Trembling has seized the godless. So there's fear, there's trembling, and it's coming from those who are sinners and those who are godless. It goes on and says, Who among us can dwell with the consuming fire, in the context of this, the consuming fire is God. Who can dwell with this consuming fire? Who can dwell among? who can dwell with everlasting burning? As we see in this, we hear hints of what the New Testament describes as a lake of fire of God being a consuming fire and a lake of fire where sinners and the godless, those who have have not surrendered their life to Christ, who die in their sins, are punished. And he says in this context that they are afraid. There's trembling. And there is a level that the fear of God, it is right to fear God in a trembling kind of a way if we would fit the category in this passage. If I am an unrepentant sinner and a godless person. That those who refuse to submit themselves to God and to refuse to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior will indeed meet God in a scary encounter. They will find that God is indeed a consuming fire, and they will face eternal destruction. And that should scare us. And that fear can have some results on us but we tend to believe because of this that this is the primary way the Bible talks about the fear of God. And if we hear the fear of God in this way, in many ways we would believe on a primary idea that the fear of God is meant to scare the hell out of us. Literally. To scare us out of hell. And we sometimes hear preaching that way that hell should scare us out of the place. And there's a level that that's right. It is right to fear the God who can cast us into eternal torment. And the God of the Bible, this God who sent Jesus and who loves us, is the same God that we are to fear because He can throw us and will throw us into a lake of fire because of our rebellion against Him. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God if we don't know Him. And the reality of this is that God's Word is significantly scary. But we realize this isn't, as we read through the Bible, and we're going to look at a bunch of verses to see that this idea of fearing God in a terror terror, and trembling and being afraid of Him is just one small aspect of what it means to fear God. Because just as the fear of God is scary, as we dig deeper into Scriptures, we also see that the fear of God is is good for us. That the fear of God is good for us. We see this in the book of Proverbs. We see that the fear of God is the starting point for a good life. You want to have a good life? Fear God. In Proverbs 1, 7, it says this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so, this idea of fearing God, it gives us, Knowledge. Well, what kind of knowledge? Well, we get to know ourselves. We get to know what God's like. We understand sin. We understand the hearts of people. We have this knowledge that now helps us to figure out how do we relate to other people? How do we think clearly about God? Not only is the fear of God the beginning of knowledge, but it says in Proverbs 9 10 it's also the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so knowledge is information. Knowledge is truth. Wisdom is how do I apply that truth. What do I do with it? And, and we understand this distinction between knowledge and wisdom. I mean, you, you would know people that you would say, they, they are so smart, but they have no common sense. Does anybody know anybody like that? Okay? And, and this idea that they'd have a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of wisdom. The Word of God is telling us that both of these, knowledge and wisdom, begin with the fear of God. And so the love of God, as we see this, the fear of God, it is good for us. It is good for us, and it's a starting point for a good life. We also see that the fear of God is good for us because it prolongs our lives. Proverbs ten twenty seven says this, that the fear of God prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. And the idea is if I'm living according to God's truth as a general pattern, life will be lived longer. We also see this fear of God being good for us, not only that it gives us knowledge and wisdom, but the fear of God prolongs our life, but also that the fear of God gives us confidence. Proverbs 14, 26 says, In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. And this confidence comes from, I know that I'm doing the right things. I'm not just trying to figure life out on my own, and I hope, that, I hope it's working out, I hope it makes sense, but the fear of God and living according to His truth is giving me direction, and that direction gives me confidence. I know I'm doing the right things. We would continue on to see the fear of God is good for us, because the fear of God can turn us from sin says the fear of God in Proverbs eight thirteen. the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. So what does the fear of God do? It causes us to hate evil. Rather than loving our sin, it causes us to hate our sin. We, we don't enjoy it. We don't delight in it. The fear of God changes that. But we'd also see the fear of God benefits us. It is good for us because the fear of God turns us from death. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 27, the fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. Fear of God prolongs our life, it gives us confidence, it helps us to have a a good life, and here it tells us that it turns us from the snares of death. So, as we see these, and and we will see others, that this whole, the big idea, the fear of God, isn't primarily about being terrorized by God, but God telling us this fear of Him is a good thing for us. As we see this, that God calls us to fear Him. A fear that is marked by an awesome respect and reverence. A respect and reverence that humbles us. And as we think about this fear of God, that, that, that there is a good, nature, good part of this. Listen to this. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a book a bunch of years ago, a series called The Chronicles of Narnia. They have fantastic books. If you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read them. If you haven't read, if you picked one, I would encourage you to read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a story of talking animals and kids that go to this wardrobe, enter into a new world, very creative. But in that series, there's a character named Susan. She's one of the girls that go through the wardrobe and finds herself in Narnia with all these talking animals. And in this talking animals, one of the animals they learn about or the the people they learn about in Narnia is Aslan, And in the books, Aslan is the God figure. And so Susan has been hearing about Aslan, and she's having a conversation with Mr. Beaver. Okay, So this girl's talking to the talking beaver. But listen to what she says. After discovering that Aslan isn't a man but a lion, she says this. Aslan is a lion? The lion? The great lion? Ooh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, Mr. Beaver says. Who said anything about safe? Of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. And it's this wonderful picture of this lion king that we should be terrorized of because lions are ferocious. And yet this lion that represents God who is who is gigantic, enormous, and doing all this. And Susan or Susan says, Is he safe? And the beaver's like, He's a lion. Of course he's not safe. It's because a lion, if you're not careful around a lion, what will a lion do to you? I mean, you think about, you know, they used to have circuses and they'd have the guys that would put his head inside the lion's mouth, and then you'd hear stories about the lion chomping the guy and eating him. And we're like, dude, what were you expecting? It's a lion. You trifle with lions and you're going to become lion food. But this idea that God is that God, as this lion, a lion king, but he's good. He's powerful. He's majestic. He is certainly to be approached with reverence and awe because he is a lion. But because he's good, it's okay to be near him. When we think about this idea of our God, that is who we see. We see that the fear of God and the love of God are not incompatible. And that is the point I want us to see this morning, that these two ideas, fearing God and loving God, are not incompatible. Turn with me in your Bibles the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. In this passage, Israel, the nation of Israel, is preparing to cross the Jordan River and to go into the Promised Land. God has been good to them. He has preserved them for 40 years in the wilderness. And yet, God has also dealt with them justly because a generation have died in the wilderness. But God is bringing this new generation out of the wilderness across the land, across the Jordan River, into a land flowing with milk and honey. And he says this in chapter 6, verse 1. Now, this is the commandment. "...the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God is commanding me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons and your sons' sons, by keeping all the statutes and the commandments which I am commanding you today, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long." As you enter into the land, fear God. He says, "...hear therefore, O Israel." Be careful to do them, do these commandments, that it may go well with you. There's this idea, the fear of God is good for us, that it will go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God of your fathers has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. Now listen, so fear God, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall, what's the next word? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart so he's saying as you enter into the land fear God and love him love him with all of your heart look at Deuteronomy chapter 10 turn over a few verses books if you're using a pew Bible this is on page 154 155 Deuteronomy 10, verse 12 says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? And we need to recognize, God requires something of us. What is it? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of His ways, to, what's the next word? Love Him. To love Him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul that we see the fear of God and the love of God, they are right together in these passages. Another one we would see is on the screen there is Psalm 33. Psalm 33 tells us this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him, and then on those who hope in His steadfast love. God is bent towards those who fear and love Him. And we see these. Why it's important for these to put together and understand that the love and the fear of God are not incompatible. It's important to see us this because we realize it is the fear of God that can turn us from sin. The fear of God can turn us from sin. Proverbs sixteen six says, "By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, forgiveness, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil." There's a level that the fear of God, that this God who is this lion, this one who's created all things, who is a perfect judge, that that God has every right to do whatever he wants to with me. And if I'm rejecting him and rebelling against him, living contrary to his laws, that that I should fear him, but I should realize that if my, my sin stirs up his anger, I turn from my sin. I don't want to be involved in that sin, and so I turn from my sin. But one of the things we don't see in Scripture is that the fear of God causes us to turn to Him. I believe that the fear of God will cause us to turn from our sin, but it's something else that will cause us to turn from God. And I think this is often why we would say that we have, quote, God-fearing people. The people are often very moral. Why? Because they know that sin is dangerous, sin is is destructive, and they turn away from sin. But there's a distinction between turning away from sin and turning to God. And and we see that fleshed out in Romans chapter 2, verse 4. We see this, that, that while the fear of God can turn us from sin, it is the kindness of God that turns us to Him. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, turn there with me, you need to see this. I want you to uh, see this in your Bibles because this is him, God, is unfolding the wrath that's coming upon us and the trouble that we're in. And then he's talking to these religious people who are doing all kinds of moral things and thinking, hey, we're pretty good in a relationship with God. And in Romans chapter 2, verse 24, this is on page 940 in the Pew Bible, Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Or do you presume on the riches and the kindness and the forbearance and patience? you get those words? Kindness, forbearance, patience. He says this. Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. You see, God does not want us to be a people who are cowering in terror of Him. That He is like, if you don't watch out, I'm going to whack you and destroy you, and you need to follow me, otherwise that's what's going to happen to you. We don't hear that as the call of God on our lives at all. What we see is God saying, follow me because I love you. Follow me because I am a good and a kind God. Yes, I'm just and holy and righteous and i take to sin seriously and sin will be punished and you should turn from your sin because of that but you don't turn to me because you're afraid of me we turn to god because we love him because of his kindness because of the goodness that he has given to us the goodness listen every good thing you ever have experienced has been a gift from god and then on top of that gift, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross and raised from the dead so you don't have to face the punishment and the wrath of God. And we see this all fit together, that it's the kindness of God. It's, it's the fear of God that will keep me from sinning, but it's the love of God that will draw me to him. And then I also believe that some of that love of God then begins to motivate my obedience and love for him. And so we see that the fear of God and the love of God are not incompatible and this comes clearly to us in the midst of the gospel because what happens we should be afraid of god apart from him as sinners but because of his grace we turn to him in love repent of our sins turn from our sin turn to him and find forgiveness and i would encourage you this morning if you've not embraced that forgiveness and if you've not embraced the god who loves you i want to call you to that this morning to repent to turn to trust Him as your Savior. The song we sang about surrendering to Him, that's the call, to call to Him because of His kindness. And we see then that this fear of God is transformed by the gospel. The gospel is the difference between being afraid of God and fearing God. The gospel is the difference between being afraid of God and fearing God. You see, the love of God transforms our fear of God. But it doesn't displace it. As believers, we are still called to fear God. Look what this verse says, Psalm 130, verse 4. It's really interesting in putting these together for us. It says, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be, and we would think, may be loved. Well, I love God because He's forgiven me. I love Him. But this says, that his love, his forgiveness, that leads to fear. Obviously not a cowering fear, but a fear that draws us near to him as a lion who is good. We would see also that in in the book of Psalm chapter 5, verse 7, but through the abundance of your steadfast love, God, because you love me, I will enter your house. I will bow down towards your holy temple, in the fear of you. I draw near to Him in love and I bow down to Him in fear. Why? Because even when He draws near to be my friend, to be my Father, He's still God. He is still God. And this is important because if if we would see a picture of God, apart from salvation, our view of God should be this, of God as a perfect, holy judge and that we are guilty criminals standing in His courtroom, and we realize that we are guilty sinners standing in the courtroom of a holy judge, that's trouble. I should be afraid. But with the gospel, that changes. Because in the gospel, God adopts me as His son. He adopts us as sons and daughters. So now God goes from being primarily as a judge to being our Father. And now from being a guilty criminal, I become a beloved son or daughter. And now the context that I relate to him with is no longer the courtroom, but the living room. That is the picture of the God who invites us to know him. That from judge to father, from, from guilty sinner to beloved son or daughter, from the courtroom to the family room. It's a beautiful picture of what God does for us. And in that living room with the Father, I still have a fear of this Father, but it's a fear that is shaped by love. And I also love Him, and I love Him in a way that's shaped by fear. Here's what I mean by that. Is that the fear of God should shape the way we love Him. Here's why. Without the fear of God, that God just becomes a friend, a chum a dude upstairs who's good to me and does all that and doesn't require much of me. It's a smushy, soft, sentimental love. If I do bad, he really doesn't care because he loves me. And so we see I just do whatever I want. And so a love without fear creates a very sentimental view of God that does not motivate us to live for him at all, but just simply to live for ourselves. And we would see this, the other side of this, is that the love of God should shape the way we fear God. Because, see, because the other side of this, if I fear God without love, that's terrorizing. That is a view that God has an iron fist. And I, by gosh, I better do what he says or he's going to crush me. I'm afraid of what God will do to me. So everything I do, I'm doing in a trembling fear of God. And in some ways, we see this, the same kind of extremes in parenting. We see the, the, the parent over here, this authoritarian parent, who what does he care about most? Himself and following the rules. Really, he's not real interested in the kids, but that's that idea over here. Over here, we have this permissive parent. Whatever you want to do, son, I love you. Like, whatever you want. You want to burn the house down? Fine, it's not a problem. Do you want to do this? you want to commit adultery? you want to submit, I mean immorality? You want whatever you want? I'm, I'm not going to say anything to you about Who am I? Who am I to you? See, And we see these two kinds of views of parenting, and we see also, I believe, in our culture, these two views of God. And we may look back at, at the Puritans and think of this scary God over here, and it's like, man, that's not the kind of God I want to worship. And then we come over here to the God of today who is this soft, mushy kind of love, and it's like, I don't want to love that God because there's nothing but a marshmallow. But we put these together, the fear of God and the love of God, and we see him as a good, good father who loves us and who loves us enough to shape our lives and to pour himself into us because he cares about us. And so we put these together. And so we must recognize that we must let the fear of God shape us. That we must let the fear of God shape what we do, that we would have a life of, of, of a God-fearing life. Look at these verses. 1 Peter 1.17. He's talking to believers now. He says this, And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear... Believer, conduct yourself with fear through your time of exile. How's this put together? Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Fear God. Why? Because he loves you. We would look then that we would. So, our lives, we need to conduct ourselves as believers with this fear, but we also conduct ourselves with the fear of God and allow it to motivate us to be holy. Again, the permissive love I don't have to be holy in a permissive love, I can do whatever I want. But in this love of God that we see shaped by fear, we pursue holiness. In the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, we see the scriptures teach us, since we have these promises, what promises? Promises of forgiveness, promises of life, promises that God loves us, promises, that all these gospel promises. Beloved, because we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves. I love God. I'm going to cleanse myself from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion. I'm pursuing godliness. Why? in the fear of God. Puts them together. Not incompatible at all. We see in 2 Corinthians 5.11, it says this, that we should let the fear of God motivate us to share the gospel. I, w- listen, this is something that we need to hear. I think all of these, we need to hear all of these. But this one as well. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of God, we persuade others. Why the fear of God? Because He's a good Father who's told us to go and make disciples. And why do I want to go? Because I love Him and I want others to go. Why am I going to go? Because I don't want to displease Him. I don't want to displease the Father that loves me and has done all of that. And so, so there's this fear of displeasing Him that drives me to obedience because of His love. And this morning, as we put all of this together, I want us to see that these ideas of fear and love of God fit together well. And I want to encourage you to allow the fear of God to shape the way you understand your love for God. And I want to encourage you to let your love for God be shaped the way you fear God. That we fear him, not with a trembling fear, but with a, an awe and reverence that draws near to him. And we love him, not with a flippant, when we'll do whatever I want to, but with a reverence, and I love you, God, and I'm going to do what you say because I love you as well. We have this push and pull of the fear and love of God that would motivate us to live for him. And so the question for you this morning is, do you fear God? Do you love God? Is your love shaped by fear? Is your fear of God shaped by love? As I pray, I want to encourage you to talk to the Lord about where you are in this. Are you fearing him properly? Are you loving him properly? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you would stir our hearts to examine whether or not we truly fear you and whether we truly love you. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that's wrestling and they, 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 they through the Lord's Supper and the songs that we sang this morning and they're coming to the conclusion, they're not sure that they're in a right relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you would encourage that to speak to me, speak to somebody who brought them this morning to, to be able to engage and to talk about this. Lord, give them the courage and the openness to have a good, frank discussion about their relationship with you. Lord, I pray for us as believers. I pray today for believers who who who, who don't understand the fear of God correctly, and because of that, they, they have this trembling, cowering view of God and how they approach Him. And I pray that you would help. Love shape that fear. The Lord, a probably a greater concern I have today is that there, there are those here today who see the love of God and that, that gives them a license to do kind of whatever they want, to make up the rules as they go along and to just ask forgiveness, that there's no fear in them. And so, Lord, I pray that if that's, if that's our view, that that, that, that that view of God would be shaped by this understanding of a fear of God and that we would realize that, that, that it's not safe but you're good, and that we wouldn't take advantage of your goodness to us, but that we would live in submission, that we would let our lives be shaped by the fear and love of God, our holiness shaped by a fear and love, our evangelism shaped by fear and love. Help us to be a people whose whole lives are shaped by fear and love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.